The Mystery File Collective is intended for mature audiences. The following content may contain material that some people find triggering. If you feel disturbed by tales of murder, mystery, or myth, if you believe that they could traumatize you, we implore you to use your discretion before listening. Can people simply disappear? The answer you would imagine should be no. It is irrational to suggest that people can simply disappear. However, we are about to present to you the case of Gregory Madison. A man who walked into one side of a tunnel and never came out the other side. He hasn't been seen since. He seemingly, quite simply, disappeared from the face of the earth. In spite of an extensive police search, a very strange phone call, and CCTV footage from the night he went missing, Nobody has come close to answering the question, what happened to Gregory Madison? The case is from 2009 and happened in the port city of Bristol in England. Bristol is a city situated on the River Avon. It borders the counties of Somerset and Gloucestershire and is the largest city in the southwest of England. The city as we know it today was first established over 1,000 years ago. But before that, it was a Roman settlement and inhabited by Neanderthals hundreds of thousands of years previous. While rich in history, Bristol today boasts of being modern and forward-thinking. Politically, it has an environmental heart produces exciting, revolutionary products and minds, such as the world-renowned artist Banksy. Gregory Madison is a proud Bristolian, and apart from his university years which he spent in Bath, Gregory has lived in Bristol all his life. Even though Gregory has been missing now for many years, his mother, Linda, has asked us to make a conscious decision to refer to him in the present tense, in the hope that one day he will be found safe and well, and we sincerely hope that this mystery will be solved once and for all. 21-year-old Gregory is a keen football fan, he supports his local football team, Bristol Rovers, watching them both home and away whenever he could. He loves music, and in particular music festivals, 
having attended the world-famous Glastonbury Festival in 2009, where he had been proclaiming his love for the band Kasabian, telling all his friends that they would, one day, headline the festival. He had recently graduated from university and was working his first job in a factory. It was unrelated to his degree in engineering, but it paid well, and it was just for the short term. Gregory's friends describe him as the life and soul of the party. In looking back through archival interviews and newspaper clippings, it's clear that he is one of those people who is well-liked. Gregarious Gregory, his mum would call him. He didn't have a single enemy, nor an apparent care in the world. He was, sorry, is, a man untroubled, with no history of mood swings or depression. This profile all makes his disappearance all the more difficult to explain. Gregory was six foot tall and had a muscular build. People used to joke with him that he looked like a young William Shatner, whilst he would joke back that he was too young to know who that was. All joking aside, however, looking at photographs of Gregory Madison, the young man does bear a striking resemblance to the starship captain from the 1960s cult TV show. On the night of his disappearance, Gregory was driving home, as usual, from his factory job in the Beaches Industrial Estate in Bristol, when he started to experience car trouble a few miles away from home. At 9.27pm on the 13th of November, Gregory called his mother to tell her about his car. On the phone call, Gregory had said that his car, a silver Ford Fiesta, had been stuttering and that two warning lights had appeared on his dashboard, one in red, meaning that the car was now unsafe to drive. He told his mum that he had decided to park up on a nearby housing estate called Mill Pond, rather than risk damaging his car further, and he was now walking home. He was calling to reassure her that she should not worry, that she should expect him to be just a little late. Naturally, Gregory's mum, Linda, told him to be careful, to which Gregory replied, Don't worry, I won't be too long, and there's no need to wait up, I've got my key. His mum also stated that one abiding memory was that Gregory ended the call by saying two slightly unusual things. Firstly, he told his mum that he loved her, not something he would typically say. This was followed by him saying, at least I don't have to go to work tomorrow, a phrase she didn't quite process at the time. It wasn't until the subsequent days had passed that Gregory's mum realised Gregory was actually due in work the following day. 
retrospectively, it is a complete mystery to her as to why Gregory had said this. Was he just confused about where he was in the week? Or is this a clue that Gregory knew that he would not be returning? After the call had ended, his mum was feeling tired after a long day in work, and so, taking Gregory's advice, took herself off to bed and went to sleep. She remembers it being 7.22am when she awoke the following morning. She noticed the time because she had woken before her alarm clock, which was set for 7.30am. She walked past Gregory's bedroom on the way to the bathroom and peering in, she noticed that his bed had not been slept in. It was now 7.22am and with her son not returning that evening, she immediately felt that something incredibly awful had happened. She rang his phone. The phone call was answered, but nobody spoke. She could only hear rustling, the kind of sound you get when somebody pocket dials you. Feeling something was wrong, Gregory's mum stayed on the line for around seven minutes. Heart pounding, she listened closely in the hope that Gregory would speak, trying all the while to listen, to hear something beyond the rattling and distorted noises, hopeful for any clues in the backgrounds that may reveal where her son may be. Then suddenly, she heard an ungodly sound that she describes as something like the noise an animal would make if it was in agony. Then the call ended abruptly. Mrs. Madison immediately redialed her son's phone, only this time her calls went straight to voicemail. She tried again, and again, repeating the process with heart beating and panic rising each time her calls transferred straight to voicemail. The feeling of dread was overwhelming in the core of his mother. Her heart was racing, her mind haunted by echoes of the agonizing, animal-like scream she had heard on the phone call to Gregory's phone. Instinctively, she knew in her gut that something was horribly wrong and so called the police. The police listened to her concerns and took this report seriously, despite the fact that the last time she had spoken to her only son was just the evening before. The cause for concern was that Gregory had specifically said that he was on his way home, although he never made it. So, what had happened to her son? The police immediately put out an APB, asking all units to be aware of a missing man, six foot in height, matching Gregory's description. They also checked all hospitals in the local area. And Gregory's mum to this day is full of praise for how quick the police were to respond. Following a visit to Gregory's house, 
the police set out to retrace Gregory's last known whereabouts. Gregory's car was found parked exactly where he had said he had left it. The police then walked the most likely route back to Gregory's house, considering carefully areas of higher risk, roads, waterways and a tunnel that went underground. In their first assessment, there was nothing unduly concerning to be found. The police considered if Gregory had perhaps gone to a friend's house, but after checking in with all known acquaintances, it was clear that Bristol Police did have a missing persons case on their hands. The police then interviewed Gregory's work colleagues, who uniformly told them that it had been a typical night at work, and nothing very much out of the ordinary had happened. However, one potentially useful piece of information that came out of these interviews, Gregory had mentioned to colleagues that he had recently broken up with his girlfriend, although there was no real concern at the time for Gregory's emotional well-being. Everybody felt that Gregory was taking this in his stride and had spoken about how he was looking forward to being a single man again. Another piece of information that the police found interesting came from a couple of Gregory's colleagues who had noticed that Gregory had kept looking at his watch throughout what would be his final shift. This was noticeable to the point where somebody had asked him if he had a date lined up after work, something Gregory had laughed off with typical good humour, saying the chance would be a fine thing, and he was looking forward to going home and putting his feet up in front of a film. He was counting the minutes, waiting for this shift to end. But why was Gregory so unusually preoccupied with the time? Had he arranged to meet someone, and that someone was being kept secret? The police were also able to ascertain what Gregory was wearing when he left work. A blue baseball cap, a black hoodie, jeans and a pair of white and blue Nike trainers. In terms of any other useful information, the police had drawn a blank. They were able to confirm that he had clocked out of work on time and CCTV footage showed him driving out of work through the factory security gates. Everything seemed perfectly normal. Over the next couple of days, the investigation went fairly quiet. Some of Gregory's friends organized search posters, erecting them in the local area and along the most probable route that Gregory should have taken on his walk home after he abandoned his car. Meanwhile, the police continued to follow their missing persons procedures and protocols, through which very few leads were being generated. Initially, a search was conducted of the local area involving more than a hundred people. But frustratingly, while some pieces of clothing were discovered, 
none of them could be traced back to Gregory. The search that was organized was in itself, not without elements of mystery. In the early days of the search, an individual emerged that some people believe should be considered as a person of interest. This person's name was Paul McHale. He joined the search claiming that he knew Gregory, but none of Gregory Madison's friends recognized him. The man's attention-seeking behavior drew the suspicions of those closest to Gregory Madison. Not only was Paul McHale a man nobody close to the missing Gregory Madison could identify, despite the fact that he claimed that he knew the missing man well, but he also kept turning up with random pieces of clothing that he claimed to have found, saying strange things like, Could this be Gregory's? The intense stranger became the focus of conversation and speculation amongst the search teams. Who was he? When asked about his friendship with Gregory, he would be deliberately evasive, saying things like, We go way back, way back, before skillfully changing the topic of conversation most came to the conclusion that while the stranger wasn't being entirely truthful, he was trying to be helpful, whilst others dismissed him as a bit of an odd character, while some others believed that the man's attention-seeking behavior may harbor something much more sinister. Looking back, some of Gregory's friends believed that the oddest thing about Paul McHale was that he seemingly disappeared from the organized search teams just as quickly as he had appeared. And he wasn't ever seen again. Some remember speculation at the time that the strange man had met the same fate as Gregory Madison it being very peculiar that he was intensely helping with the search for a couple of days before also disappearing. Others speculated that he may have something to do with the disappearance of Gregory Madison. In the same way the FBI claim that some killers try to get close to police investigations surrounding their crimes. David Berkovich, the son of Sam Killer, and Ed Kemper, the co-ed killer, were both murderers who were known to have watched police detectives at the scene of their crimes. It gave them that extra kick. Did the mysterious Paul McHale have anything to do with the disappearance of Gregory Madison? Or was he, like some speculation would suggest, another victim? He was so peculiar in his energy that some people started to believe that the man may have even been a figment of their imagination. And although many photographs were taken by the team of volunteers at that time, 
nobody has a photograph of Paul McHale. However, he does appear in the distance, in the back of a news report from that time. But he's so out of focus that it just isn't usable in terms of an image to share. However, it does serve as a reminder that this odd character did appear, claiming to know Gregory, even though nobody connected to Gregory's world recognised him. And he was far from the only mysterious oddity to emerge during the search that would mark the disappearance of Gregory Madison, unusual for investigations of this time. For example, in spite of a plea for sightings of Gregory Madison on the night of his disappearance, only one person came forward. The police felt that this was an unusually low number, given that he had parked his car in a housing estate and probably would have walked along a busy road as part of his most likely route. The one person who did come forward corroborated that Gregory did take the route that the police had earmarked as being the most likely. When quizzed if the witnesses had seen anybody else in the vicinity of Gregory, he had pointed to a man in his sixties who was carrying a dog lead, but bizarrely didn't have a dog with him. The police made a public appeal for this man matching this description to come forward and make contact. But the man never did come forward and was never located. And that was the end of that avenue of investigation. Other than the mysterious man walking in the vicinity of the route police believe Gregory Madison would have taken, there was nothing else to suggest that he would have come into contact with Gregory. The police quickly moved on in search of a breakthrough. Then, a few days later, there was that much-needed break in the case. When some new CCTV footage was found, which showed Gregory walking towards the entrance of an underground tunnel, a tunnel which went under an old vicarage. And this is where the mystery deepens. The police commandeered all footage from CCTV cameras between the exit of the tunnel and Gregory's house. There was even a camera that directly overlooked where Gregory should have emerged from the tunnel. Upon reviewing the footage, the police were confident that they would see more images of Gregory, but unexplainably, in spite of the time and date stamps on all of the camera footage corresponding to when Gregory entered the tunnel, there was no evidence that showed Gregory had ever come out the other side. And to add to the sense of mystery surrounding this case, 
There is debate about some of the footage that was made available to the public in helping to search for Gregory. In the images where Gregory is walking towards the tunnel, for a brief second, there is a strange flash of light that emanates from the tunnel entrance. Most people believe this to be just a glitch in the video. It's only very brief, lasting for less than half a second. Some people have suggested that this is a reflection from somebody waiting in the tunnel. But given how small and how brief the light lasts, the police have stated that there is no evidence to suggest that this light represents or is emanating from another person. Also, given the fact that the camera footage on both sides of the tunnel was studied for 24 hours prior to the incident and 24 hours after, there was nothing to suggest that somebody else had walked in and waited for Gregory at that time. The tunnel in question is located underneath the garden of an old vicarage known as Rectory Gardens. The tunnel is approximately 25 meters long. The police inspected the tunnel and confirmed that there is only one way in and one way out. In the early 20th century, there had been an exit point midway where the tunnel linked to the cellar of the vicarage. However, this had been bricked up in the 1950s and there was zero evidence to suggest that this had been tampered with. And while the police confirmed that there is only one way in and one way out, some locals have pointed to the fact that there is a drainage grid in the tunnel designed to prevent the tunnel from flooding during heavy rain. The police have dismissed this as being an exit point, based on the size of the grid and the fact that it doesn't have further entry and exit points that an adult could fit through. The CCTV footage of Gregory entering the tunnel, but failing to materialize the other side, left the police baffled. All the known facts and evidence pointed to Gregory disappearing inside the tunnel. But there was no way that somebody could walk into a tunnel and not come out the other side. There had to be an explanation. The absence of any further footage left the police with very few lines of inquiry, other than standard house-to-house -house visits media appeals and theorizing on what could have happened in the mysterious disappearance of Gregory Madison. The one evidence-based path the police had left to explore was to attempt to track the location of Gregory's phone when the call from his mother was answered the following morning. And if you think this missing person case is already mysterious, then please, prepare yourself for what is to come. The police were able to track the cell tower that was closest to Gregory's phone when the call was answered, and although there is a margin for error in these estimates, 
The data suggests that at 7.35 a.m., the morning after Gregory had disappeared, his phone was answered within a 400-meter radius of the tunnel, meaning for approximately 10 hours between when the camera footage was taken and when the call was answered, Gregory, or at least his phone, was still in the vicinity of the tunnel. The police concentrated a new search in the area surrounding the vicarage. But there weren't many properties to search. It was mostly parkland. The local canal was also searched, but there was nothing found. Police had also used sniffer dogs, and experts confirmed that the dogs had indeed picked up Gregory's scent from his car and then followed it along the most logical path to the tunnel. Once inside the tunnel, the dog stopped dead at the midway point, which was the old exit to the rectory cellar, signalling right at it. The dogs refused to go any further, indicating that somehow Gregory Madison had walked through the wall. The old exit the dogs were signalling had been bricked up for many decades. The police once again inspected the brickwork and were 100% confident that it had not been tampered with. The police's only logical explanation was that the dogs had signalled incorrectly which wasn't completely uncommon, but many independent observers have stated that the police did not treat this seriously enough. With the lack of exit footage and the sniffer dog stopping in the tunnel and the phone signal staying local, it all just added to the weight of evidence that Gregory Madison had never left the tunnel. The fact that the phone was answered confirms somebody had the phone, but we cannot say whether it was indeed Gregory Madison who answered, nor can we illuminate what the horrific, animal-like screams were that Mrs. Madison claimed to have heard. When asked about the phone call in her final interview, Mrs. Madison's eyes filled with tears as she claimed that she had never heard a noise quite like it. It was a pain-filled, agonized noise, but she did not feel it was human. Nor did she feel it was her much-loved son, Gregory. It was animalistic and without wanting to add to the speculation surrounding the case, she said the only word that she could truly use to describe it was demonic. The sound that she heard emanating from her phone, that torturous scream, she says, will never leave her. The other line of inquiry for evidence was Gregory's car, and again, like everything else in this case, 
the evidence presents more questions than answers. Firstly, when Gregory's car was inspected, there was no fault that could be found. Everything in the car was working perfectly. There was no stuttering and no warning lights. So this did not tie in with Gregory Madison phoning home to say that his car was having trouble. Nor does it explain why he would choose to park it miles from home and then walk. The other notable thing about the car, which many people have pointed to as being out of the ordinary, was a comic book that was found on the passenger seat. Nobody recognised Gregory as being a comic book fan or had ever seen Gregory reading a comic book. There are varying reports on what the comic book was, but the common consensus is that it was a 2002 edition called Alone in the Dark. Whether this was Gregory's or whether this had been placed into the car by somebody else is still debated to this day. There is no doubt that given the circumstances of this case and the title of the comic book, it feels more deliberate than coincidental. And since the initial investigation the police have had very few leads to follow in the subsequent years. Naturally, with a case like this, there has been a lot of speculation on what may have happened to Gregory. A website was set up which was designed to keep the search for Gregory alive. And while it turned up no credible leads, it encourages all people to theorize on what happened to Gregory Madison. While I'm keen to avoid idle gossip, I am going to present a number of these theories. The police, as you may expect, looked at every logical explanation. The most commonly held belief is that the footage on the camera that covered the exit of the tunnel was faulty or had been tampered with. Or indeed, the footage on the camera that covered the entry to the tunnel may have been faulty and tampered with. And that being said, it is also possible that Gregory did come back out of the tunnel the way that he came in, and a faulty camera didn't pick him up the second time. The theory that the camera footage covering the entry of the tunnel may have been faulty is given credibility by the fact that there was a split second of bright light that emanated from the tunnel on the CCTV footage as Gregory walked towards it and this may have been the first sign of mechanical breakdown. The other, more sinister and far less believable theory is that Gregory's exit from the tunnel has been edited out. 
The police do not accept the theory that Gregory did not exit the tunnel, because this explanation defies all logic. The other theory that the police have explored is the theory that there is some sort of illusion conducted on the camera. Perhaps a mirror was carefully placed in front and angled to show what looked like the tunnel exit, but it wasn't. There was an unofficial quote from a policeman who worked on the inquiry, who said that if the magician David Copperfield can trick people into thinking the Statue of Liberty has disappeared, then manipulating a bog-standard CCTV camera isn't too difficult. The theory applies logic that does make sense. However, it doesn't answer the question, why would anybody go to this much trouble? How would they know Gregory's car would break down? How could they assess the footage to check if their optical illusion created by the mirror is in the right place? Alternatively, if Gregory Madison is the victim of an opportunistic crime, then surely plans of this nature couldn't be put into effect with such preparation and premeditation. Like so many things surrounding the mystery of what happened to Gregory Madison, every suggested answer would seem to prompt more questions. Another commonly held belief is that Gregory disappeared deliberately. But again, it's hard to accept this theory when you consider the amount of mystery surrounding his disappearance, coupled with the fact that there is no known reason why Gregory would need to disappear, it really wouldn't make any sense. Of course, there could be things unknown in his life which may cause Gregory to want to disappear and leave his old life. And we do know that this type of thing does happen. And in 2014, the mystery deepened further in a way which gave Gregory's mum some hope. She received a postcard from Brazil. The postcard was blank. There was nothing written on it by hand just her address from a printer. While Gregory had sometimes mentioned an ambition to travel to Brazil, some of his friends believed that this had to have been a cruel hoax on a hopeful mother, desperate for a glimmer of hope. Indeed, his friends do not believe that Gregory Madison would ever deliberately disappear from his life in the way that he has. He was known to be a loving son to his mother. He never knew his father, had no siblings, and would be fully aware of the painful impact such a mysterious disappearance would have had upon his mother, knowing that she loved him beyond measure, and he was her very world. Of course, 
some people have pointed to the fact that Gregory had recently split with his girlfriend. But those closest to Gregory never believed he considered it to have been a serious relationship. And they certainly don't believe it would have been enough to make him want to leave, or even consider harming himself in any way. Beyond this, there is always the possibility that Gregory could have had some sort of a mental issue occur. A breakdown. A sudden chemical imbalance can strike anyone at any time. A urinary tract infection, for example, can cause a variety of neuropsychiatric disorders and psychosis straight out of the blue. But this does not explain why he would disappear without any trace, and why he would be gone for so long. The most intriguing of theories, perhaps, surrounds the exit to the vicarage cellar, which rests halfway down the tunnel, and presents a theory which could explain everything. The police are adamant that this entrance slash exit to the vicarage had been bricked up many decades before. The brickwork hasn't been tampered with and would have taken a lot longer than 24 hours to dismantle and reassemble. Even if that happened, there would be clear evidence that it had. To this day, the police don't encourage speculation surrounding this. At the time of Gregory Madison's disappearance, the vicarage was unoccupied, but the police also did a full search of the property and stated that there was no evidence, even from inside the cellar, that anybody had been in the property for some time, perhaps several years. Any suggestion that Gregory Madison somehow walked through a solid brick wall can only be dismissed as being totally irrational. However, when you have considered all the possible outcomes, and none of them makes any real sense, where does that leave you? If something has happened which isn't possible, surely that means we have to consider the impossible. Or do we simply concentrate on the known facts and go from there? As you might expect, with such an unusual set of circumstances, People have speculated that the cause of Gregory Madison's disappearance can be nothing other than supernatural. One theory is that Gregory was somehow pulled through the small grid in the tunnel designed to alleviate flooding. Even though police have stated time and again that no human can fit through a gap so small, Yet the Mystery File Collective believe that it does feel a little dismissive to state this. We have all heard those stories where, due to a sudden loss in cabin pressure, people have been sucked through an airplane window. 
The grid in the tunnel is very similar in dimensions to an aeroplane window. So if there was a force powerful enough to pull a human through, then it could happen. But can we, in all honesty, take this speculation seriously? The issue with this theory is that surely there would be some indication of trauma left upon the grid, or some element of Gregory's clothing indicating that he had been there. But there was nothing. Equally, what force could possibly have that kind of power to drag an adult through such a small space? Perhaps the most outlandish theory that does seem to recur online is that Gregory has somehow slipped through a portal, a wormhole, or even through time. And that camera footage of the split-second flash of light that emanates from the tunnel as Gregory approaches gives weight to this theory. An unknown energy surge that cannot be explained. It is very clear on the camera footage, clearly evident. No matter how we look at it, the fact of the matter remains. All the evidence points to one simple conclusion that Gregory Madison entered a tunnel that he never emerged from. If we focus simply on this evidence, the only actual physical evidence available, then these supernatural theories are not as crazy as they sound. You don't have to look far to find accounts or examples of suspected time travelers or people who have been found out of their own time. Examples of this include the famous case of Rudolf Fence, a 19th century looking young man possessing items of that period who was found confused in the middle of Times Square in the 1950s before being hit by a car and killed, suggesting that he had, perhaps involuntarily, time travelled about a century forwards. Could it be possible that when Gregory Madison entered that tunnel, he too slipped through a shift in the space-time continuum? Is this any more ludicrous than suggesting he entered a tunnel and simply disappeared? Or any more crazy then he somehow walked through a brick wall and into the vicarage cellar as the police sniffer dogs would suggest. Ultimately, the last person to speak to Gregory was his mother. And therefore, we categorize her opinion the most important. While she hates to admit it, she has her own heartbreaking theory as to what happened to her son. Mrs. Madison cannot get away from the idea that Gregory was abducted. However, she refuses to accept that he isn't still alive. She says that she still thinks of him every day and is haunted 
by the echo of the noise that she still hears in her head. The noise from the last phone call that she made to his number. She is convinced that the noise she heard, while terrifying, was not human. So, if the sound on the phone was not human, and Gregory Madison was indeed abducted, who or what abducted Gregory Madison? The case remains open to this day, and although it is now considered a cold case as you would expect, we have one final peculiar update to leave you with. The old vicarage, which links to the tunnel, has now been converted into a series of apartments. The cellar is no longer accessible and has been completely filled in with earth. It has been rumored that there has been a high turnover of tenants due to a strange atmosphere in the building. One unconfirmed report came from a former tenant suggesting that after hearing scratching from the floorboards for several weeks and experiencing progressively negative feelings while at home, he had the sense that he should move out as soon as possible. There was, there is, something other in the energy of that place, he says, something that frightens him to this day. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Gregory Madison, please ensure that you share this with the relevant authorities. If you have a theory on what may have happened to Gregory Madison, then please share it with us at the Mystery File Collective, and we may well include it in any future case updates that may unlock the truth of what actually happened in the mysterious disappearance of Gregory Madison.